0: What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and this week we will be actually reviewing Tyranny of Dragons. We're not lying this time. (laughs) We aren't you know charlatans For we, we were doing it um and that's gonna be the whole episode but before we get into that Allie how are your games this week
1: it was exciting <laughs> <laughs> so uh last time if you remember previously uh, on we Allie's game we left off with Valindra covered in flour
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
1: Um, she wipes the flower from her mouth so she doesn't have to swallow any of it when she casts the spell prestiditation she cleans herself and she's like okay guys listen <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's immediately like do we fuck her up do we uh, and everyone the other half is like hey we're all out of like our major spells uh, <laughs> we can't fight a full blown lich right now and so
0: so this is how it ends
1: <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much they come to a very rough understanding of I need you guys to come to the abyss with me.
2: Ooh.
1: And they're like, why? So you can just leave us there. And she's like, oh, I guess I didn't think of that. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, you did. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> and she's like, I, okay. Yeah, I was. And so, <laughs> um, Twilight essentially was like, we have to figure out something. Cause I'm not about to pinky promise a lich right now and hope that works.
0: <laughs> that pinky might come off.
1: Yeah. And so they're talking about what they need to do. And they're like, we have the right spells to get back home if we need to and they have enough knowledge of the well, they abyss got that cloak itself cloak too
0: right the one that teleports yeah. them yeah. yeah
1: and so they won't oh, be that's stranded good. that's not
0: cross planes is it
1: no it's not oh yeah there we yeah. go <laughs> but however the paladin does have banishment <laughs> so they can eventually get home
0: <laughs> fuck off go home <laughs>
1: And so, like, they're eventually going to, they're like, okay, if worse comes to worse and the lich does leave us high and dry in the abyss, then we can figure our way home. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem. So the other issue is getting lost in the abyss. (sighs) And so Valindra, her part in this is saying, I know my way around the realm of literal death (laughs) in the abyss. Not telling you why Mm -hmm. or how I came of this knowledge, but I do. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling I know where your father big bad guy in this situation not valindra um is Mm -hmm. so that's valindra's thing to the table and she's and they're all like listen yo we just did a boss fight ah can we long rest and pretty much valindra's like fine she tosses him a sending stone and says just call me when you're ready and she teleports out of there
0: oh jesus
1: (laughs) and so they had a night. To rest essentially mm-hmm. and talk about what the fuck they were gonna do, and on their way back, essentially the uh, Archfey, because remember those, yeah, yeah, Fey, yeah, yeah. They're like, "Hey, we finished our part of the deal because we just needed to win the war, and Malabog's dead. That's good enough for our queen. That means you, Twyla, need to come with us." Oh. And so Twyla's like, "Oh, okay." And so she said her, you know, goodbyes <laughs> to everybody, <laughs> just in case. Uh-huh. <laughs> And uh, she got sent to the Unseelie Court because oh. the Queen wanted to talk with her.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So she gets there. The Queen's all like, "Okay, well, first of all, here's your iron flask back. Second of all, you guys didn't fuck up enough to where I won't kill you, so that works out.
0: Hey, that's good. It's yeah. A
1: so, good so, you prove yourself kind of worth, like, You you know worth it. So yeah. useful. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna keep up my end of the bargain. I'm we're gonna. It's been like 400 years since I directly made a pact with someone, so here you go. So Twyla, they all leveled up took a level in Warlock. All of them? all of them leveled up. No, not all of oh. them took a level in warlock, but Twyla took a level in warlock.
0: <laughs> okay. I thought you we're, like, we're fucking packed in this shit up, yo. <laughs> Can you
1: imagine? No, no, no. No, it was just Twyla, but um she's very excited about it. And so now she has like pact to the Fae. and like and so she's got like cool stuff going for her and we're already like changing up certain spells to where they fit more with the queen of air and darkness a little bit better than That's
0: awesome. Yeah,
1: she's she's really feeling it because I mean like let's be honest, the level 20 bard thing is not really the most fun. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't blame her for like. What level are they at now? They're level fifteen now. Oh
0: my gosh!
1: I know that for sure because they just leveled up. Hey! <laughs> but uh, it was it was a lot of fun, really tense because the whole going into the court thing. I had a lot of fun with that. There was a duel. Someone got literally turned inside out. It oh. was a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Fun for the whole family. Well, it was the unseely court. Something gross had to happen. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How about you?
0: Um. Well, we didn't get to play. Um. Uh, storm king's thunder um life happened uh but you and i got to do pathfinder second edition or yes, curse yes. the crimson throne uh i had to come late because of work <laughs> of course um but even then i had a lot of fun i'm oh loving this campaign yeah. i know i missed an, a game and i missed half of this one but i'm having so much fun with this campaign
1: <laughs> it is a lot of fun and it's like even if we only get to play for like four hours i'm still having a blast doing yeah.
0: it like I have a character voice. I haven't had a character voice in, like, five years. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, characters I'm playing, not NPCs. But, yeah, I'm I really freaking loving it, and I like being a, a rouge yeah. in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Um, the one th- rule that came out this time that I was, like, eh, about was the fact that if you roll a 1 on, a like, any check, it's considered, like, a crit fail. And I'm, like i don't know about that that's weird
1: it's like but isn't it like more specific to where it changes the degree of success to one lower yeah it's not technically a crit fail it, but well it's
0: still a one effects a you know a a, a just a normal like check or something like okay. that that's yeah. the one that, I'm that, like, that aspect. Eh, of that's it. weird because like there's times where like especially with checks where it's like um, a one doesn't really matter. So it's weird that there's a rule for it. Where It's, it's like rolling. A, I'm like, oh, I pick up. Uh, jokingly, I pick up something that's like, oh, I'm just going to do a perception check. And I roll a one on it. It's like, well, what fucking terrible degree of success can there be? So,
1: Because well, I imagine that right now, especially at low level, that heavily influences us. But yeah. like at higher levels, when our perception and everything is like plus 15 or 18. That's a good point. Then yeah. We could possibly still succeed the check but with a detrimental part of it. That's
0: fair. Yeah. Well, the check difficulties are going to go up too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll get there.
0: Yeah. but not like um, <laughs> I agree with you though. Like my rogue is like getting like magic and stuff. And like, I'm already thinking about next level. I've been like, okay, am I going to multi-class next level? Am I going to go into like sorcerer or some shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, I love the rogue stuff and I love the stuff that I'm getting from it. But I also like this idea of him being, coming from like this, Icelandic sort of like magic tribe.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and get
1: them runes out.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. Cause one of one of the feats I took at first level was arcane tattoo. Mm-hmm. And Kyle took it also and uh, yeah and we're brothers (laughs) our characters are brothers um so we came up with a story that like we got them together as part of like this you know like um, coming of age coming of age thing and like he got necromancy and i got illusion and so like i'm trying to find these things that fit well with a rogue while still being magical Mm -hmm. so like i've taken i got two more cantrips from the arcane uh spell list and I, i i really do like I, I, it's funny because like everyone said that Pathfinder first edition was like, oh, I love it because it's so customizable. I feel like this one is way more customizable because yeah. it's still fun. Like the customization yeah. in Pathfinder is just like, hey, you can take a spell from another uh, list but you have to have all of these prerequisites and also it has to be this time of day <laughs> and you have to have eaten this thing and it has to, you have to be in this yeah. mood. And it's like, there were like, so many little things to it. It's different levels
1: of customizable. I will say like, yeah. the, definitely for the pathfinder one, if you wanted to be a very specific character, you could be that. However, you had to take a very specific route to get yeah. there. Yeah. Whereas like with pathfinder two, I feel like it's a little I, more loosey goosey. I feel like, like I feel can feel like fuck like you can around do, yeah, and you not, do and, and you not fuck up my character. Exactly. Like there was a
0: part of me that got scared. I was like, well, if I take that, The multi-classing feat, am I just going to ruin my rogue? But I realize when you level up as a rogue, you get all of these other things Mm -hmm. from your rogue class, and then the general feat, which is where you get the customization. So I'm like, okay, no, I still am a rogue. I'm still getting my rogue stuff, but I can also take this. So I'm 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 having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's all we got for our games this week. Uh, we have no news because we're recording on Monday in the morning and no news has been able to come out. That's going to make us decide to do another episode. Ha ha. We beat you this to watch the biggest freaking D and D news is going to drop and then we're going to have to record another episode and put it out before this.
1: We'll just cut out this whole part and then just put that. No, no,
0: no. It'll stay right here. So I look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) my favorite pastime. <laughs> uh, but we do have some dungeon keeping. Um, yep. We have an announcement for next week's episode. Uh, we are going to be building a dungeon on air.
1: Yeah. So pretty much we have this idea of we want to put out some polls onto Twitter and ask you guys and our followers on there, uh, like, what kind of dungeon would you like? Like, what area would you like it in? What kind of monster would yeah, you yeah, feel like, like you'd like, like, like to um, be the focus? Like,
0: biome. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, what what kind of boss monster what kind of minions yeah. and stuff like that
1: I mean like because both Trevor and I are both huge proponents of we believe things need to be in there for a reason not just because it matches the CR
0: yeah yeah <laughs> um, this is a half bat half satyr that uh, was just hanging out at the time uh, had no relevance at all to anything in the cave oh, it's evil by the way it's absolutely evil uh, if anything else walked in here it'd fuck it up also but they didn't so it won't so you have to fight it
1: why? Because it needs another encounter. Yeah. We don't believe in that. We believe no. that, hey, this is an icy tundra. So maybe there's a dire polar bear out there. Maybe there's not. Yeah. You know, Definitely doesn't like, have 10 arms. Yeah. Du- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. I love you, Ike. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. But um, so we want to go ahead and build a dungeon on, on air for you guys and show you guys how we like to go about yeah. building dungeons the, the, as DMs.
0: This is not the way to do it. This yeah. is just how we do it.
1: Yeah. So, we want to go ahead and give that a shot and have you guys uh, be a little bit part of that too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, the way we're going to do the polls is we're going to put them on Twitter. So, um, when this episode goes live on the 24th, Mm -hmm. hopefully, (laughs) um, there will be, yeah, there will be polls up on Twitter. Uh, They'll all be in one thread. Go through, put your answers in, mm-hmm. and uh, those answers will influence what we are going to make on yeah. the next episode. I hope you guys are excited about that because I I think it's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I'm, Tune our own for a second, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, that is all the dungeon keeping we have. So we're going to move right over into Champion Loot. Champion Loot. Champion Loot is our segment where we give out a free gold chest code for idle champions, which if you are not playing, you should be because it's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you can literally play it while doing anything else. <laughs> Reading a book.
1: Play idle champions. The first day
0: I got it, I played for 19 hours <laughs> because I was cleaning the house also yep. and then forgot to turn off my computer. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of
0: fun. Yeah, no, it, uh, Isle Champions is one of our favorite games, and we were lucky enough to get to be part of the partner program. So, enough talking, here is the code. B-I-R-L-K-O-R-S-R-U-F-F. Go get yourself a free gold chest, you know, loot out your, uh, your champions, and kick some monster butt. Oh, yeah. Oh boy. Okay, okay we guess we put it off long enough now. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> um, Tyranny of Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we should give like a little bit of background yeah. on this. So, Tyranny of Dragons was the first um, campaign for Fifth Edition that was published. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, not published by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, uh, um, it was actually made by Kobold Press, and if I remember learning correctly, it was because they were so busy working on Fifth Edition that they outsourced this campaign in order to focus solely on the rules and the monsters and everything, while letting Kobold Press design the story.
1: Yeah, which is fair, yeah. <laughs> understandable, hundred <laughs> percent. Um,
0: so yeah, the um, this campaign was split up into two books. Mm-hmm. There was Horde of the Dragon Queen and uh rise of tiamat yes which fell under the banner of the tyranny of dragons storyline they have since been put together in a very very pretty hydro 74 so pretty covered work. uh collector's edition mm-hmm. uh, which came out last year oh my god it's last year already um <laughs> 2020. and this was the first fifth edition thing that you and i played yep um i was the dm you were one of the players and um that was really like the first time that I, that I had DM'd Fifth Edition. Really, it mm-hmm. was that the first time that you were a player in it, or were you doing other things?
1: No, that was the first time I was a player. Your
0: first time you were a player. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you were running something at the time also.
1: No, I hadn't run anything by that. Oh, point. okay.
0: Yeah. So this was our first like fifth edition thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'd been a player in one previously, uh, but this was the first time like I I was DM in a campaign, not mm-hmm. just like a one shot. Yeah, this is
1: the first time I was in a fifth edition game. Yeah. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. my god, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah, we you know, we played through the entire thing. Well, We played from the beginning part to the end part. (laughs) (laughs) We played through the story-ish. Yeah. Um, Allie, why don't you start just from a player side? And I know it's been a long time, but like how you remember this campaign, what you thought of it.
1: So I've kind of mentioned a few times before on this podcast, but this campaign just felt epic. Like that's the best word I can use to describe it because you're going... You're these heroes that kind of like you start from the bottom, right? You're like you start at level one, literally, and you go all the way up to... Now, here's the crazy thing. You don't stop at level 10 with these books. Mm-mm. You go all the way to level like 14 or 15. Oh, yeah. I actually
0: don't remember what level it
1: goes to. Like, I think I was just re- reading it. It's like you go all the way up there, and it's like there's not that many aside from, you know, the Mad Dungeon that go up to high levels like that. Yeah. And so you end up in this campaign feeling just like completely epic because, I mean, you're in an epic level tier.
0: <laughs> um, it says here that the characters uh, will be either 14th or 15th level by the time they do the final battle.
1: Yeah. And so it's like, it feels like such this epic adventure because you're these low adventures and you get trusted with these crazy quests. And then eventually it becomes like this whole thing that you have to save the world. And people know that you're actively trying to save the world. And then if slash when you do it, it's such a cool rewarding thing because all these people were like without you this wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. and you're like I believe that and <laughs> it's so cool and you felt like you really did save the world and it was such a great intro to fifth edition yeah. and the concept of being a hero about it too that it's just it has a special place in my heart because of that. And I am such a sucker for feeling like an actual hero. <laughs>
2: I need a hero.
1: <laughs> that um it really stuck with me with how that feeling went, which is why I pretty much like to apply that to any of my games that I like to run mm-hmm. because I love that feeling. It makes yeah. it, that's kinda one of the reasons why I play D. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh from a from a DM side, um I, I gave you the, the, this is my one sentence review <laughs> of this campaign. Right. This is a fantastically epic campaign hidden under a bunch of completely unnecessary mechanics, <laughs> and they're they're like I I also have a special place in my heart for this campaign. Like I wouldn't have the MCU of a universe that I do right. if it weren't for this campaign book. Yeah. Um, literally, um, this campaign gets talked about in almost every group that I'm running for my my games because at some point I do mention the Knights of Skyreach who you guys were that defeated Tiamat and everything. Yeah. Um by the way, it's not it's not a spoiler. That's it's, it's She's book. on the cover. It's on the cover. She's
1: a literal five-headed dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: so when uh when we when, when you know, this this has a special place in my heart because it was so influential in like so many other games and conversations that I've had. That said, I changed a lot about this campaign.
1: There's a distinct memory I have of we're, we're in Kyle's house and we're just like waiting for you to, because to, you're like, guys, give me a second. And you sit back, you're reading through the chapters, you're trying to, you're rushing through pages looking for something. Uh. And then all of a sudden you're just like, you toss the book over your shoulder like, okay, this is what we're doing.
0: <laughs> I, have I tossed a book over my shoulder twice now?
1: <laughs> you just like straight up just tossed it. You're like, okay, whatever. We're doing this.
0: Huh. <laughs> I didn't realize I did that twice. Yeah. <laughs> Get the Um Yeah, because there's... I thought that this campaign starts off with such an epic feel and then loses that. Mm-hmm. That I wanted to keep that epicness going because there is... Again, this is the spoiler-free section, so you don't need to worry that I'm going to say specific things. But basically, there is a lull... Between this really epic beginning portion Mm
1: -hmm.
0: all the way to the end part. Okay, yeah. And it goes to places that you, that me as a DM even reading through it, I'm like, but why? (laughs) Why are we going there? Why are we dealing with these people? They have no influence on any other part of the story. It's yeah. kind of like what we were just talking about with making the dungeons. It's just to give you experience. It was it was just to give you experience. Yeah. And I don't think that is a f- uh, you know, fault 100% to Cobalt Press. Because it feels like at this time there was a different idea of what campaigns were to be made. Because yeah. XP is talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. A ton. Yeah. And...
1: Whereas, like, if you look like at books like Storm King's oh, Thunder, are like, yeah. oh, yeah, they can just level up here. Yeah, there's no, there's like
0: no talk of XP yeah. in campaign books anymore. Mm-mm. And so it feels like there was a lot of stuff put in to get you to the level you needed to be for the big thing to happen. Yeah. Which is why, like, this was the campaign book where I just started loving, leveling you guys up whenever I felt like it, mm-hmm. which was pretty fast, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it felt awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, and,. I just, like, there. there's parts of this that don't flow as well with the rest of the book. There's parts that I feel like just get dropped off. There's a, a whole plot point that we'll get into later that serves nothing to the story except to explain an NPC's backstory. Ah, uh. It's a big event. Like, if I were to do this in another campaign where they're in the city where this happens, this would be like the event. This would the be the chapter. thing where it's like, oh, this some this is fucking bad. <laughs> Something terrible just happened and we need to figure it out. Whereas here it is uh two paragraphs, one of which is only about the NPC. That Interesting. it's a backstory too. <laughs> so it's there, there's a lot of confusing. Things in there, characters just kind of come in and out without having real influence on the story, other than to be a sounding board for the players. Yeah, it's there. There was a lot of strange decisions made in it that, at the time, like I'm. I will say that at the time of running this, I was not at my good DMing. Abilities.
1: You weren't an experienced DM. Yeah. Yet. Th- yeah. This,
0: was, this was coming off hot from <laughs> uh the 4th edition. Yeah. So, like, I still was in the mindset of, like, you know, encounters and shit like that. And so, this one, trying to do both things of, like, story, but then also 4th edition style encounters and dungeon crawling was really bewildering to me. And and I kind of, this is the one that kind of just threw me into doing storytelling Over heavily. In, encounters. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of appreciate it for that. Like, that's the weird thing for this. Like I have a special place in my heart for this campaign, but the more I look at it, like I used to recommend this to new DMS. Mm-hmm. I would not do that after this read through.
2: Yeah. I
0: absolutely would not do that for uh, do that after this read through. Cause like, There's so many confusing things. Like, literally, from Horde of the Dragon Queen, it it, it goes like, all right, chapter to chapter to chapter to place to place to place to place. Mm -hmm. And then... Like, to get to C,
1: you have to do B. Yeah. And then
0: Rise of Tiamat comes around, and it's like, all right, throw all that out the window. You need to skip around through chapters. You need to have a chart next to you. I
1: was looking at that, because there's actually, like, a whole thing where it says, oh, yeah, advancement. It's, like, it's designed around this and you go from 11 to 10 to 13 to 12 back to 13 to 15 to 16 back to 13 yeah and then you go on to the big thing and
0: and (laughs) the the one of the more bewildering parts of this is that chapter 13 that you go back to three times is hang on let me let me let me check this let me just double check yeah okay it is five pages long
1: which in reality in like recent campaign books.
0: Three and a half pages long.
1: Would just be stuck at the end of the chapters. Like, instead of saying, going to 11 to 10 to 13, it would just be at the end of chapter 10. Yeah. And then instead of being 12 to 13, it would just be at the end of 12. And then 15, 16, 13, it would just be at the end of 16. Yeah. So that way you wouldn't be jumping back just to that one chapter. Which, by the way, I think they really only outline, like, one concept. And then they say, Um, oh, just amp it up.
0: There's like... (laughs) two concepts each time yeah um but it's it's literally just like but we don't know where the players are going to be when it happens so just do something
1: (laughs) yeah so it's it's it would have been better if 13 was kind of just put into a whole different way it is
0: also funny that it isn't until chapter 13 that it covers character death
1: (laughs) really (laughs) yes Oh, that's when they're worried that they're going to be yeah. murdered? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. We'll, we'll get into that during the spoiler part. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the Again, this is the spoiler-free section, but yeah. we'll get into the more spoilery stuff uh, after the DM's Guild Spotlight. But really, like there there's a lot of good stuff in here. Like I do fully believe that. But there's also just so much fluff and you know, obstacles to enjoyment sometimes. So, like,
1: I mean, like I gotta, okay, I gotta play a kobold advocate, so to speak. Okay. Um, Do any of these like fluff or extra random encounters or even whole chapters serve as like a forewarning or foreshadowing to like a end mechanic or like no. a reasoning to things like, oh, this guy has this because of these events or anything like that. Or is these, whole chunks of story just put in there for the sake of advancing an experiment experience.
0: Hmm. Uh, mm. Not that I can think of. Okay. Like the, there's one part that we'll get into in the spoiler one where I read through it and realized, Oh, this, these three chapters are literally just so they can get from one place to another place in the sword coast without doing a travel scene.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> and that was it. And that, yeah. and, and it was basically three dungeons mm-hmm. and they didn't serve anything to the plot other than, Oh, this is the way the bad guys are going. We got to follow them like Wiley e. Coyote style. Go through the dungeons, kill everything, and then end up in the place that we needed to be to the whole time. And I cut all of that out and filled it with story that I felt was more applicable. Except for one of them. One of them I did just because it was Halloween time. Right. (laughs) That was kind of my, my my thing at back then. I liked doing themed uh, episodes of my seasons, even though it was like now I now if I did that I'm like, that's a freaking weird. That just came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. But you guys had fun with it and <laughs> it, was it a lot of and fun. it was just I had a one off a uh, session. Six
1: stat to my ability score. Oh yeah.
0: I mean like th- this isn't spoiler, so that, yeah I, I did a freaking Lovecraftian and Halloween yeah, thing with you guys. Sanity score was great. Yeah, I gave you guys sanity <laughs> scores and uh, you got chased by a showgoth. Yeah. <laughs> like that one, that was m- m- more my old style. Mm-hmm. Today that would never happen. Like that's a fun one-off that I wrote. That would be fun to do as a one-shot, but I would never put that in a campaign. Just insert now. here. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that's just showing the difference between 2013 Trevor and 2020 Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> um, seven years. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, there there's a lot of differences there. Mm-hmm. But that's that was the only like filler thing that I put in. The rest of it, I wanted to make sure that everything felt like it was progressing and that. There, you saw what the goal was. You saw the connection to the, to the plot. And had a point to the plot. Yeah. Whereas like this one, like even even the stuff that we played, there are a few times where I'm like, I'm surprised no one has a problem with that part because it served nothing to the story except for moving.
1: Yeah, because I remember there's even a whole little mini box here that says recurring villains, but I realize it says like, if they weren't murdered in the first book, they might come back in the second book. Yeah,
0: that's, that's the <laughs> other odd thing. There, there's so many specific things that have to happen in this campaign. Yeah. So many like like this happens and this has and this happens. But then there's also an astronomical amount of we don't know what the players did. <laughs> which is crazy to think that like that is said more in this book, this structured book, yeah, than Storm King's Thunder, Curse of Strahd, Tomb of Annihilation. I
1: mean, remember when we first looked at um Baldur's Gate, like Does it in know Vernus? Mm-hmm how many times did I look at a chapter and say every single one of these paragraphs start with the word if, Yeah, if the players, if the characters, if the characters, like every other paragraph started with if.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which I feel like is a more, which is a better way to do it because this book says, all right, all of this stuff happens and this happens and this happens. And then like the last paragraph is, but if that thing didn't happen uh, in that last book, this stuff can't happen. And I'm like, what? why did you spend (laughs) five paragraphs talking about this? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's the only downside is that they don't really provide a way to around that. Like, if this didn't happen, here's what you do. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh,
0: yeah, no. Like, um, There's something that you guys did that <laughs> it, it, it's not covered in the book that it happens. And then in the next book, it gets a one-sentence thing. It's like, but, you know, that might not have happened. And I'm like, cool, what are the ramifications of that?
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: And I'm like, oh, oh." and and like, this is me, young DM, only being a DM for two years now. And I'm like, but what do I do? And they're like, fuck if I know. (laughs) I'm
1: like, okay. Um, Um, I will. So funny enough, I was also just the same exact box where it says like the recurring villains thing. It says, oh yeah, if they were killed or captured, simply replace them with new NPC characters here or assume that they were resurrected. That's their answer.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know. Like, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about with like the NPCs that just kind of come in and out. Yeah. where it feels like no one has any importance at any time the
1: players' actions funny enough don't really make an impact with NPCs
0: well it's it's not it's not just that because like it does impact them as a PC but like they themselves as a character don't matter you could literally drop in any other character yeah, and yeah, it yeah. wouldn't matter
1: that's what I mean like to the actual plot that specific NPC, doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Their role in the plot, maybe, yeah. but that specific NPC, no. <laughs> it like, it, it
0: like the factions are a big thing in this. So, yeah. like, there's there are characters who are affiliated with the Harpers, and the actions of the players will inf- and impact the Harpers. Yeah. But that NPC, nope, doesn't matter doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. And it was it, it was kind of conv- – and that's why, like, I – there were whole groups of NPCs that I took out and replaced with one of the characters you guys had already met. Yeah. Just so that you had some kind of connection to them. Yeah. And it meant more when it was them talking to you because you're like, oh, yeah, I know we know Yeah, yeah, you were back there and we, yeah. we helped you all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, there was more of a – of a way for you guys to role play instead of just, and now there's a new group of NPCs
1: <laughs> that we assume are important. Yes.
0: <laughs> Why are they important? Because they said that they're important.
1: Yeah. That's how most important people do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I, I feel like I've, I've talked myself out of, uh, of the spoil a uh, non-spoiler part of it. Yeah. Got anything else you want to add there before we do the DMs Guild?
1: Um, as a player, it's a treat. It's a lovely, it's a lovely game. As a DM, to sum it up, it's, it's a book. Like,
0: well, like, okay, yeah. I, I don't like if you're not going to listen to the spoiler part. I don't want you to walk out of here with the view of like this is the worst campaign book of all time. It's absolutely not. No. there is a lot of good stuff there. But what I would say is, if you're going to run a good campaign with this, you're going to have to put a lot of work in.
1: Yeah, definitely check out DM's Guild. Yes. See what people have already done for it too.
0: Um, they're like I I'm trying to think of the way to word this. Cause it sounds like I'm just shitting on Cobalt Press. <laughs> I like Cobalt Press a lot. Yeah. I think they are a great group. I think I've bought a lot of their products. I think they're really good. And I think that this book is really good. But because of how things were at the beginning of fifth edition, I think that's where like some of this campaign got muddled hmm And I'm not blaming them at all for it. Like, they they had to do a lot with an unknown thing. Yeah. Because, like, before this, in 4th edition, most campaign books were in, like, little flimsy little things that came with <laughs> maps and stuff like that. Like, yeah. they came in folders. This was, like, the first, you know, hardcover book for a while. And so they had a big task handed to them. Mm-hmm. And what they came out with, I, you know, at the time had a shitload of fun with despite, having, despite changing a bunch of stuff in it. But I think that this is a good book that you should at least check out. But mm-hmm. I, if you were to tell me, review it, rules as written, I wouldn't score it very high just because of a lot of the fluff that's in it.
1: Yeah, but as far as the actual story goes...
0: Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing that I don't think should be, uh, uh, you know, overshadowed. This book is super important to the canon of Dungeons & Dragons as it is right now.
1: It literally influences the rest of the campaign books. (laughs) Like,
0: stuff from this shows up in almost every campaign book from here on out.
1: Yeah. It's heavily, like...
0: (laughs) There is stuff from this in Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. And I'm not just talking like, oh, because, you know, back when they fought Tiamat and stuff like that. It's like, no, literally... Things are important plot points yeah. from this book yeah. in Avernus, and
1: the events of this book alter the Sword Coast quite a bit yeah. too.
0: If it weren't for this book, Storm King's Thunder wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it is so influentially important.
1: Waterdeep Dragon Heist wouldn't have happened. Yeah, because Neverember.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there, there, there is so much of this book that is important. But and I and I highly recommend running it for that reason. If you're especially if you want to keep you know, all of your campaigns in the same world. This is a great place to start with it. Mm-hmm. Just my recommendation is putting in a little extra work yeah. on it. So let's move into the DM's Guild Spotlight, <laughs> which is from Cobalt Press. Hey. <laughs> Again, I. it sounds like I'm shitting on Cobalt Press. I really do like them. If you do not know who this group is, I highly recommend checking them out. And that is why we are uh, going to have them as our DM's Guild Spotlight. Yep. Uh so again, non-spoiler parts, there is a uh the in part of uh Horde of Dragon uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen yep. has a really big event happen in it, and uh it kind of gets skipped over when you go to Rise of Tiamat. There's a so,
1: few really big ifs in yeah. that.
0: <laughs> um, but what Cobalt Press did is they put out a secondary adventure called Frozen Castle which explores one of the possibilities of that big event. Mm-hmm. And I've looked through this. This is so cool. I love that they did this and and it's one of those things where it's like if this had been in the book, it would have felt weird. And so I love yeah. that it is a it is a outside thing. Um, it's it feels more like a DLC episode <laughs> like, um, oh, God, go with me on the, uh, You didn't play Dragon Age, right? No. Origins, yeah. So in Dragon Age Origins, there's a big fight that happens early on in the game. And there was DLC put out where you go back and visit that battlefield. Ooh. And you get an, an important NPC died there, and you get his weapons. You, you find it, and you give him, like, a burial, and you take his weapons. And it's awesome. And that's what this feels like. It feels like that return to... Something big that happened and you're kind of, it's allowing you to process it.
1: Okay. Instead like, of just saying, oh, that big event happened. Let's go to the next thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and and I do think it's important that this doesn't happen immediately after. I think it's important that Rise of Tiamat starts and then eventually you go back here. Because um, there is combat, there is like dungeon crawling and stuff, but it, it is something that lets you process what actually went down. Mm-hmm. And I really love that they did that. And I and I kind of wish that there were more things like this for other campaign books. Right. Um. And, and like, I I did that basically the sequel to uh, Tomb of Annihilation this year <laughs> accidentally, and that was kind of neat to have some of those players go back and see what. They did and how it influenced stuff and the how impact things changed of their decisions, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so this is called Frozen Castle Expanding Tyranny of Dragons, it's two ninety nine. dollars 99 so worth which it. is so <laughs> worth it. And again, it's put up by Cobalt Press, so it is, it's got a high degree of polish on it, yeah. Um it says uh this 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons adventure is designed for a uh, for 10th to 11th level players and is set in the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Uh get your giant on and surprise your players uh with a uh, chunk of Tyranny of Dragons that they can't find in the book. Yeah. Um I highly recommend looking at this especially if you're going to be running Um, Tyranny of Dragons If you're not running Tyranny of Dragons This uh, supplement's Kind of wasted (laughs) Uh, Your players won't have That much of a connection There's stuff for them to do But I If they If they're going to do Tyranny Or if they've already Done it This might be a fun one To like have them Go back and check out
1: Definitely yeah
0: Um, So yeah we'll link this As we normally do But uh, otherwise uh, Frozen Castle Expanding Tyranny of Dragons Is from uh, Alexander Winter And Cobalt Press Check it out Mm Okay Let's get into them spoilers. You made it. We're here. You made it. Um, Yeah. Again, if you don't want spoilers, this is your time to leave.
1: (laughs) We enjoyed listening. That you (laughs) you were listening for us. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Big pause. (laughs) Um, So, spoilers.
1: Um, I think I kind of wanted to, we kind of talked about this in our overview when the book came out, but I wanted to bring out what's new. Because that was kind of the big hope for a lot of people that, oh, they really changed a lot of things. Because as we mentioned in the non-spoiler part, that there is a good chunk of things that don't really fit into the actual story itself. However, I realized over the, again, reading of it, is that they actually spell out all the things that they just changed Mm -hmm. for you. and
0: So what we're talking about here is the the collector's edition versus the original published.
1: Um, Funny enough, spoiler, it's not a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So they tell us like you'll find a revised campaign spanning overview, which is the first not chapter yeah. chapter of this book um, that collects the characters, magic. Oh yeah. And then also compiled appendices that from both adventures into comprehensive references. So that's both characters and magic items and monsters. Um, additionally, an entirely new concept art gallery, which is beautiful um, that went into behind that went into building it. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, they didn't change it, really. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been, like, a couple differences. And really, like, aside from that, it's the formatting that's different. But um, as far as actual campaign changes go, they didn't do really anything. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little heads up for those that were considering.
0: Yeah, like, I know there was a lot of hope with uh, the opening chapter, the um, the greenest attack, or greenest in flames, um, that they were going to change a lot of stuff in there because there were for people a lot of problems with the way that it was run and how like there was a couple sections that were super freaking deadly for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Um and I read through it and I was like this is exactly the same <laughs> in every which way. Like the only thing I think changed were like the random encounter table. Yeah. Um but the way that like I handled this was I just skipped a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. where it just wasn't important. Like there is a blue half dragon champion that show that's supposed to show up at the end of Greenest. Yeah, and there's supposed to be a one on one combat. This this freaking thing is let, let's see I think it's a CR three or something, and yeah. they want to yeah okay this thing is CR. Four, and they want a level <laughs> one <One-on-one> player <combat. laughs> to one v one it. What? Yeah. And and so it, it was it was stuff like that. Like I just didn't have that thing in there. You know why? Because there's a massive blue dragon flying around the city, lighting it on fire, which is a way more epic thing to happen, <laughs> and you guys scared it off. Than doing this one v one where the they're, they're gonna die.
1: Not to mention, doesn't that half blue dragon not do anything like later?
0: They come back in a cave, I think. <laughs> in a I, th- cave. I think that's where they're supposed to come up. Um and you know, from there, like you guy you you go to a camp that is the dragon cult. So that's the whole thing. The whole point of this is that there's a cult of dragon worshipers that are trying to raise Tiamat. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the goal. Yeah. They're stealing a bunch of gold and riches to sacrifice to the Well of Dragons to raise Tiamat. Yeah. And yeah. most of this campaign is just chasing the Cult of the Dragon around...
1: To find to eventually... Find where, yeah, to
0: find where they're doing this stuff.
1: Which is interesting, because I think in the end they kind of figure that out earlier, like ahead of time. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Now let's just deal with the repercussions of what they've been doing. Um, well, Like, so the whole... Plot structure of it. Oh, is that's interesting. why you
0: guys didn't fight the blue half dragon. <laughs> that was the uh, freaking dungeon where the end of it is right next to the beginning.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the
0: way, I read that. They changed it. That's something they changed that they oh, that's didn't good. mention. So, originally, there's a dungeon in here where there's a very small side way that you have to get a perception check in order to see. But if you do, it's the treasury room. And you can just <laughs> take all the stuff and leave. Yeah. <laughs> And you guys did that, and they've literally changed it to oh, treasure room. Um, it's empty, and there's a cultist sleeping on the floor. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What?" laughs> like, like, yeah. The it, I'm like, that's not what it was before. You guys got the thing and left. Yeah. And uh, I remember
1: that we we got to the end of the We're like, did we just do this backwards?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm glad that they changed that at least. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, like the beginning part of this, there's a town being attacked by a blue dragon and cultists and you guys go in and you know you're uh, doing like the standoff and everything and you're chasing off and then you're finding out what the dragon cult's doing and you're going there and you save a harper and stuff and then it's like okay um we need to get to i, I what was it was it neverwinter was that where you guys need to get to or something it's been a while i know um but so then it goes to chapter four which is on the road mm-hmm and it's literally you join up with a caravan, and this is the strangest part. So they give you uh let's see, four-paragraph description of uh Ultrial. Or Eltril? Is it the, the place from Baldur's Gate to send to Avernus? Oh, Ultrail, yeah. Yeah, El-trial. Um they give you a four-paragraph description of that, a three-paragraph description of Baldur's Gate, w- which you'll be going through also. Um, and then there is a paragraph description for every person in the caravan. Oh my god! And I'm like, so you gave just you know kind of an overview of the cities, and then gave every character a paragraph. I'm like, that seems weird. Like they even say you can spend time in Ultriel and do stuff, and I'm like, but you haven't supplied anything to, <laughs> to do, do that, that with. <laughs> um, and so yeah, then they go on a travel, and this is this is where I. I guess I chucked the book mm-hmm. because after that it is three chapters of okay, go into this house, find a thing. It's going to direct you to an old castle. Yeah. In that old castle, you're going to do a a long dungeon crawl, which oh, yeah. culminates in fighting a toad man, That's which right, has right. nothing to do with yeah. the cult of dragons. He's
1: just like holding them or something. Yes. He's like secret thing. Yeah,
0: he, he's the help, their transportation because underneath the castle is a teleportation thing right. that takes you to a lodge, which right. is another uh, dungeon crawl, right. which then uh, you come out and you are in the place that you need to be. Right. <laughs> and I was just so taken aback by like, what? How? Yeah. But, there like the the cult of the dragon doesn't even show up until the end of the lodge part.
1: Yeah. So the reasoning behind that that I was reading is like if you look at the the synopsis, the overview of yeah. it for the DM, pretty much it's saying, "Hey, they're trying to do all of this in secret and we want to try to keep that as a secret until the second book because yeah. that's when it's revealed that it's the cult of dragons." So it's like there, there was a whole sentence in there where it's like, oh yeah, his whole goal is to get these dragon masks and he has already several of the five. And I'm like, I hate that sentence. (laughs) What does several of five mean? Does he have a few? Does he have three? Or does he have four of the five? Or does he already have five? Because what does several mean? (laughs) Fun fact, he already has them all. What? (laughs) They said he has several of the five. And by the time you get to the second book, he has them all. (laughs) Technically, the cult has them all. And I'm like, why did you put that sentence in there? Anyways, that's just wording for me. But basically... There's like there's like a, a five-step program that uh they're, the, the Cult of the Dragon is trying to do, and specifically Severin. Severin is the big bad in this. Yeah. You might think it's Tiamat, but it's not. It is Severin. Severin came into this cult who was all about fucking liches. They're like, no, that's what the prophecy says. The prophecy is the dead dragons will bring us to, you know, the future. And Severin's like, no, 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 no. It's all about this very fancy lady Tiamat, who I believe will be, you know, into this. Yeah. And so Tiamat heard him and was all like, yo, I got a quest for you. Mm -hmm. And so she told him where to find a dragon mask. And with that power, he can possibly maybe through some, you know, rituals, bring her back. And Severin's like, that sounds like fun to me. And so he goes out finding these masks, which he finds several of, and he gives them out to his most trusted people. Yeah. The
0: wearers of purple.
1: Not quite. The the dragon speakers.
0: Oh yeah, that's they right. are
1: wearers of purple that are in his circle of trust. That's right. And by the way, if you kill any of them in the first book, it can just be a different NPC.
0: Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> and that's what it says. Like, oh, these four wearers of purple, the keepers of the dragon mask and most devoted servants. um But if they get killed, they can just he quickly replaces them. I'm like ah okay.
0: I'm like man, that's some quick trust. <laughs>
1: So his goal, first goal, step number one in this bringing Tiamat out, recover the five dragon masks because without them, you can't. The dragon masks are important to the story because the dragon speakers are what they are. They can speak to dragons, usually very stubborn to talk to, Mm -hmm. but with the dragon masks, they're allowed. And they can actually get a one-on-one conversation with the dragons and possibly persuade them to actually join their side, which they succeed at. Yeah. So that's why there's a ton of random dragons now oh, attacking yeah. Yeah. Faerun, which is a problem. However, people aren't connecting the two because the Cult of Dragons haven't been about alive dragons for like a thousand years. Mm-hmm. They've been mostly about resurrecting old dragons. So that's why it's a secret. It's- Step Two, they need to collect a shit ton of treasure because it's Tiamat (laughs) and she demands a lot of treasure and Mm -hmm. so they're like that's you know that's part of the process step number three they need to raise the temple in the well of dragons because that's the only place that they can actually bring her through this Mm -hmm. temple is not actually in Faerun it's actually in hell Mm -hmm. and they need to drag it out of there into this mortal plane and in order to do that they need to make some powerful allies and so that's where the Wizards of Fay come in. yep, And that's where they're like, hey, guys, hey, I have a plan. And so one of the Zaz Tam, who's all like, oh, hey, I don't think it's... Is it Zaz Tam?
0: Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay,
1: so one of the Wizards of Fay is a renegade wizard. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's Zaz Tam. He doesn't like the, yep. the lich that's running things. He's like, hey, my goal is to overrule this lich, but I'm not a lich and I need help. And so he's like, my guess because he's just guessing here, is that Tiamat will reward me for this and that she'll just give me the power to take over the Red Wizards of Thay because of what I did for her. Mm-hmm. So now the Wizards of a are in it because they're necessary. <sighs> this, this is a lot of plot. But they're necessary to bring the temple out and to do the next step, which is sacrifice hundreds of victims, which is what the good chunk of this first book is about. You're realizing a lot of people are going missing and you need to figure out why and how. Mm -hmm. And you're going through hopping throughout the Sword Coast, finding these people are being secreted away. They're not being murdered. They're being taken. And so the reason why they need to sacrifice all these people is because they need to use the souls to power the ritual Mm -hmm. to open the portal. So that's step five. (laughs) Use the ritual to open portal that Tiamat can use to get from hell into the mortal realm and then they win that's their plan and so i understand looking at that five-step plan (laughs) um that trying to build an adventure around that concept might be a little tough yeah especially if the players aren't supposed to know about one through three until the second book yeah and that's after the fact it's already happened yeah um especially since the first step already happened technically before the book even starts. The
0: the the big thing is is that that sounds like a really good book outline. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, nothing in there has anything to do with the players.
1: That's the problem. That The whole thing... We, we talked about creating villains before. Yeah. That's the villain's motivations. Yeah. The thing about motivations is that they're supposed to be fluid and if things change, his motivations need to shift. Yeah. The thing is is that these motivations are so stuck in it yes. to where even if things change they're just replaced yeah so that way it can keep going
0: that i like i love how they do with strahd where it's like here are things that could be his goals yeah um oh the person that he'd taken interest in in the group died uh okay now he's obsessed with this mm-hmm. okay that didn't happen now he's obsessed with this. none of which the players ever have to know actually changed yeah and whereas like this one's like this stuff has to happen in order for this campaign to happen.
1: Yeah. And it was funny because I was reading. <laughs> because I was curious. I was reading the last chapter. And how it was supposed to go down. Basically the players need to take down the mask people. The people who are wearing the masks. That way they can handle the dragon heads. Because if they fill out like this four step process. Before the boss fight happens. Tiamat goes from like a CR 25. To for 14 level characters, 14 or 15th level characters to maybe a CR 20. Yeah. And it's like, you take out like half her health and you take away like half of her legendary actions yep. if you do the right steps. And if you don't, they straight up say, if you don't do this, they'll probably die. Yeah. And then what's hilarious is that they even finish it off saying, like, what happens if the characters fail? Because that's a possibility. I'm like, all right, sure. Yeah. And I read it and it's like, oh yeah. Um, Tiamat, does what a dragon would. Yep. She eats all of her supporters mostly. Yep. That red fay wizard, she didn't give a fuck. She ate him. Yeah. And uh she's just the, the ruling whole, the whole <laughs> section
0: could just be turned into I don't give a fuck.
1: Yeah, she don't give a fuck. And so she just eats people and she does her thing, you know, yeah. You do you. Um and it just kind of felt like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, it you had to do these this step process before the big bad fight the, the, otherwise you wouldn't win i think the
0: problem is, is that there's at no point where the players can actually get that leg up
2: mm-hmm.
0: to feel like oh we just stopped them from doing something that doesn't exist in this entire book yeah. <laughs> until the end which is why i changed a bunch of that stuff
1: yeah um so That was the villain's motivation. Their goal is to bring Tiamat out through a meticulous process. Um, You're the DM. This is the part where I didn't read into it too much because life gave me not enough time. Mm -hmm. What's the player's point of view from this? So...
0: (laughs) The uh, the adventure hooks yeah. are a few. Okay. <laughs> uh, like one of them, the one that Kyle went with that I really ended up loving was like, you had a vision of a gold astral dragon that told you to go to greenest. Ooh. Um, also, that turned out that that was actually his past life. As, an, as a gold dragon influencing his future. Because we had it that... It oh, he was out, a
1: dragonborn, wasn't he? He was a dragonborn, yeah. and he
0: actually was that gold dragon. And then something happened to him, and he was reincarnated as this dragonborn. That's cool. And that was his past life, telling him, like, you need to go do this to become what you need to become. Yeah. So Kyle, like, kind of really pushed the group. Um, and Tara's character was... Uh, curious about dragons, we—I I had it where like everyone had a curiosity about dragons in some way mm-hmm. that was pushing them through it. But the other reason I, that you all were motivated to do it is because I told you they were going to raise Tiamat in chapter two.
1: Yeah, you did. <laughs> You didn't keep it secret. I
0: didn't keep it a secret because I'm like, there's no reason for them to do any of this. If they don't understand that the world is going to end. Yeah. And so I told like you guys had someone and you were interrogating them and I made a gut decision and I, and I, they told you what their goal was. They, Mm -hmm. they shouted at you that Tiamat will devour you all. Yeah. And
1: I remember that now. Yeah.
0: And that was the moment. I remember that moment so well because everyone at the table went, oh shit. (laughs) And that and like there was never a question from that moment on what you all were doing. Like
1: we need to stop this. Yeah.
0: Like never once did any of you go, what are we doing again? Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, we need to stop these fuckers. Yeah.
1: Whatever their plans are, we need to stop them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So by the time you got to where, like I was just talking about, the the Skyreach Castle, mm-hmm. this floating cloud giant castle um, that they were storing a bunch of the gold on, you all were fucking ready. You were there for yeah. a fight. And you guys went through, did it, killed everything, and then took the fucking castle for your own.
1: Mm-hmm. We didn't kill everything.
0: We, oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked our way. You talked your way, yeah. The, because
1: the- of our knowledge of the fact that these giants are helping dragons. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the thing. There wasn't, and I mean, it, I I haven't read through that part again in in uh, in this, but like, to and if I remembered correctly, there was no good reason why that cloud giant was helping them. Yeah, that I could remember, and so like I had it that they were paying him, and then you guys like talked him out of it, and then he helped you guys fight the white dragon on there, mm-hmm. and you guys had this epic moment. And you felt like you had changed something.
1: And we did. And then you got a
0: fucking <laughs> castle. Yeah. And so that was the thing that that they that I was talking about where it's like, you guys didn't crash Skyreach Castle. No. You took it for your own. Yeah. And literally, in Rise of Tiamat, down here at the bottom, <laughs> it says, oh, uh, God, where is that? Um, oh. Oh. Uh, if you didn't play Horde of the Dragon Queen, if Skyreach Castle wasn't crashed, or if the characters went somewhere other than Waterdeep <laughs> afterward, you need to get the party back to Waterdeep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it, I just. It, that, that was. But I love that you guys did that. I mm. wasn't going to take that away from you. Um, because even the book if, said like so. Like, even if I had played it wrong, even if I had fucked up what the Cloud Giant really was. And I'm sure I was. Like I'm sure at this point there's <laughs> something in here that says why the Cloud Giant was with them and whatnot. But I don't care because it was such a good moment for you guys as players. Yeah. And you all remember that so well that... And then the, for that to turn into you guys starting your own faction, this having this castle giving you the the drive to become your own faction in Faerun, becoming the Knights of Skyreach. Having your
1: Sky own say at the council
0: meeting. Yeah, the <laughs> fact that I have three players in my current Sky, Skype game who are members of the Knights of Skyreach so seven years cool. later. The fact that there are kids from our bookstore game that, that have are Knights, Knights of Skyreach Sky written on their <laughs> sheets. Yeah. That makes... Every bad thing that I didn't like about this book worth it. Because this book,
1: like I mentioned before, from a player's perspective, is an epic story. Yeah, and that's it what provides I'm plenty of opportunity to make your own epic story with your group.
0: There is so much chance for there to be an epic story in here. Yeah. And like you every can, turn. <laughs> yeah, and you can do it. And and I know because we did do it. Yeah. Um, and then you go into Rise of Tiamat. And that's where this political game starts. Because
1: it does take a massive shift. Yes. It's, it changes from like dungeon crawl after dungeon crawl to teleporting to dungeon crawl to dungeon crawl to, dungeon crawl, to random encounters to, hey, yeah. there's a council.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you have to, excuse me, you have to talk to the mass lords of Waterdeep, the king of Neverwinter, uh, the open lord of Waterdeep, uh, the faction leaders, all these people. And you don't get a good grasp of who these people are. Yeah. Uh, daggle Neverimber is name dropped like on the second page in the third sentence. <laughs> yeah. And if, you know, there's just a bunch of things. They don't even go into like who the masked lords are at the time. They don't go into what, you know, you will want them to do. And like there's a whole plot thread of one of the masked lords being murdered by the cult of dragons. Yep. And it's a backstory for an NPC. Yeah, if if a ma- if I had been playing uh, the Dragon Heist and a masked lord had been murdered and the bodies literally found in the streets of Waterdeep, it's a huge situation. There's a whole book about that shit that Ed Greenwood wrote. Like yeah. that is a huge thing, and it's just one paragraph. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a plot thread that the characters can follow in at least from what the book gives you.
1: And from a DM that's just brand new or players that don't really play in the setting too much. It's like the fact that it's kind of overplayed, like overlooked. Yeah. These characters won't really see the significance of it. And as a DM, you're suddenly having to juggle like six different people at a table. And we just talked about that. Like you're talking to yourself with yes. six different NPCs and so, the
0: party. So what I had done and I just I did this part just because of vanity. But like I made um one of my old characters King of Neverwinter. I had uh Tara and Kyle's old characters as his advisors and I had had that in my 4th edition game and I just decided to bring into 5th edition. Yeah. Um but what that ended up allowing me to do is to actually talk directly to you guys. The other people were there, but because I had Jace as the king of Neverwinter and him kind of leading the conversation, you guys were able to directly talk to this council while he went off screen and spoke with them because none of them ended up mattering. Yeah, so it was a nice bridge between players, DM, and story. Yeah.
1: So originally, I will say, when this book came out, there was actually this uh, supplement that yeah. Wizards put out for free online, which was this whole table for the council that pretty much gave you an idea of, ooh, maybe this is kind of like a sandbox kind of supplement. And essentially, it's like, oh, if the characters get this done, they get a positive yeah. like, in their, uh, what's it called?
0: Oh, uh, for the the need of support and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, so
1: it's like they pretty much get a rank up in the, oh, we'll support you graph yeah. of, for so each like, faction. So at the
0: top it has the factions, Harper's Order of the Gauntlet, Emerald Enclave, Lady L'Oreal, Silverhand, Daggalt Neverender, Never Ember, a uh, bunch of people and everything, and... Then at the bottom of it, it says, number uh, score needed for support. And it has all of these things you can do. Kept possession of Skyreach Castle. The only other time it's mentioned. Yeah. You know, uh, killed uh, Resimir. You know, captured uh, Resimir. You know, killed stuff like that.
1: It's like, you have an idea of like, it kind of puts up a front of saying, oh, their characters change the perspectives
0: and can change the story. But once again, killing this person adds a plus here, but then that character can be replaced later.
1: Yeah. I kind of wish... Because if they were trying to make it a political game, that the pluses and minuses would be more substantial. Because looking at the chart itself, you can see that it's heavily in favor of everyone eventually supporting you. Except for like a couple key people.
0: Like, I feel like if this was done now, it would say... Killing Resimir, and then it would have Daryl never remember. He really uh, thinks that this is a good idea. He does this for the players. He allows this to happen. L'Oreal Silverhand, she doesn't think this is a good thing that happened. She does this. She takes this away from them. D- do stuff like that, where mm-hmm. instead it's a plus or a minus and a name and a number. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of room... For, I just have to come up with, you know, how this character who at the time I'm not familiar with. I don't know who the fuck L'Oreal Silverhand was at the time. So I would have no idea how to role play her as a yeah. DM because it hasn't supplied that for me.
1: And so how the book is set up in the second book is that it's like you go back and you have Council meetings. I think you have three of them in yeah. total.
0: Also, and the uh, the Drake Horn gets brought in, which was never mentioned before. Oh, it's and such a cool artifact. It's such a cool artifact, and it you you hear it get blown, and then you know everything's going fucked, and it just comes yeah. in out of nowhere. It's
1: such a cool artifact that I'm tempting to use it to like in other games. Yeah, it's very like um it was in the Game of Thrones books essentially yes. too, but it wasn't really in the show. Nope, and it makes me so sad because I loved it so much. But it's like, I want to use it in my games, and so I'm really tempted. But yeah. that's how cool of an artifact it is, it but is. it's barely touched upon. It's just more like a, oh, you know this is bad because you hear this horn.
0: And then <laughs> basically from there, it goes to, all right, the council thinks you should go do this. Go do a dungeon crawl, kill the thing, come back. Go, uh, all right, now they think you should do this. Go to the dungeon crawl, kill the thing, come back. And oh, yeah, then in but, between each one of those is the chapter 13, which yeah. is uh, titled The Cult Strikes Back.
1: Yeah, so after you... Do whatever the council thinks you should do. The cult's like, hey, we have a plan and we need to stick to it. So we're trying to assassinate you. And then as you go through the book, these assassins get more and more powerful.
0: But don't really do anything other than just Just show that the cult is mad. Yeah. There's not... A big thing, like conclusion. Uh, great heroes uh, rebound from uh, losses to fight even harder from the cause for the cause they believe in. Uh, what? I, it's just it. It doesn't do a lot of stuff.
1: It's trying to say like, oh, this will help influence the player's motivations to do more. Yeah. Whereas. If they had known that oh, Tiamat was a problem... Thanks
0: to uh, Raised dead, a lost battle is a setback, not a defeat. <laughs> what is this? It's How a wake-up call to any player who assumed that uh, the character's victory was assured. The Cult of Dragon is committed to its goal and will stop at nothing to achieve it. The characters must uh, be even more committed to theirs. Yeah. And that... It, it, it. I don't know. Probably, though, the coolest part that comes in is the metallic dragons. Yeah. And that was another part that I will always remember because you guys like really got into like talking. We had to, to f-
1: fight for that support. Yeah. Unlike every other faction it felt like. We actually had to fight for that support. And here's
0: the fun fact about that. That uh section is three and a half pages long. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the things that we spent the most amount of time on. But the thing that I love is that in these three and a half pages, it actually gives you detailed information about each one of the council members of of Metallic Dragons, Ah. their motivations and desires and attitude and everything. And that's why that scene was probably one of the most influential and heaviest role played because I knew what I was doing.
1: You actually knew how to play politics with these NPCs. Yes.
0: And... That was just so much fun. And when then we presented
1: goes- you a coral crown, you knew how to react to that.
0: And but that's and that's the crazy <laughs> thing. You got the coral crown from that Lovecraft one off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I loved that. I love that the Lovecraft thing actually ended up coming into play.
1: Yeah. Well, I wasn't about to give up my dancing sword.
0: Right. Um, but then there's a really cool one where you go to Thay and you're like, hey, you guys fucky, and they're like, ah, we're cool. <laughs> and then like Eric has nightmares that almost like kill him and it's fucking great. Yeah. Um and, and that, that was a fun one. And then the actual last fight is not. Mm-hmm. And I changed it so much to the point that I didn't look at the book. Yeah. Because it was... Cause you guys had been leading up to this, and we were like, okay, we're gonna fucking do this. We're gonna make this assault. And you and I heard you guys playing. They're like, all right, next session, we're fucking fighting team up. Yeah. We're, we're, we're fucking going. We we're, told you. Yeah, we're like, we're gonna fucking go. We're gonna fight her. And I'm and I'm looking through this, and I'm like, this is four sessions. <laughs> Cause it was you gotta run up there, you gotta do this is a whole dungeon crawl. The in Well the of well Dragons, Dragons is
1: a huge, expansive place.
0: Each square equals
1: twenty feet. Yeah, it's like Storm King's Thunder kind of style. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and there was so much stuff in there that, like, you guys had either already dealt with, like, you'd already dealt with the the dragon speakers and stuff. Yeah, because I wasn't about to, because it didn't make sense. It Just, ah, bah, bah. yeah. <laughs> Basically what happened, you guys you guys went to the metallic dragons again and like, we want to fly into battle with you. Yep. And they went, that's sick. <laughs> like, <laughs> <In>, sadu. <do. laughs> in better words, big mood. Um, but, yeah, so you guys flew into battle on the backs of metallic ancient dragons. Yeah. Fought chromatics that were coming in at you and they were breathing fire and Gosh. lightning and you guys fucking flying over this massive battlefield of Neverwinter Davy, and all these people fighting the dragon cult to the well of dragons which is a fucking volcano yeah and you guys flew into the temple fought even more ancient dragons and you guys had and instead of having it where you guys took down things to make Tiamat weaker I gave, you guys spent a whole couple sessions getting the dragon slayer weapons of ancient lore yeah. that allowed you to do more damage to her. You actually fought Tiamat at her normal. You
1: brought our level up to her. Yeah,
0: I made you guys epic to Instead fight her. Instead of
1: bring her down to us. Yeah.
0: yeah. Where like each of you had a resistance of some kind to a certain type of chromatic dragon and you guys freaking went in there. Tiamat was risen from the, the Wizards of Thane I thought, and I did have it in there, like each had Like ate one of the fucking guys and it was (laughs) fucking great. And
1: it was such an epic moment because she had like pretty much the major general there. protect. Yeah. It's like, and they, he was protecting oh, yeah, yeah. the ritual. Oh
0: yeah. You guys fought Drock who I'd brought in from my fourth yeah. edition game. And, and- it, was,
1: it was such an epic moment because like, here's this big ass fucking dragon about to literally climb out of hell. And we're like dealing with it. And we're, <laughs> we're dealing with also this half dragon who's kicking our asses. <laughs> and we're having to deal with all these also cultists and high level wizards. And we're like, what the fuck are we going to do? And then one of the player characters, Eric's character just fucking brings in a meteor swarm to knock Tiamat down a notch or two. And also several of the cultists. And I remember this moment where it's like pretty much just straight up lift him up into the air. And he just brings his axe down. Oh, yeah. Knocks her back down into hell. And it was such an epic moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He leapt up, hit her with the dragon slayer mace. And like it just like the abyss opened and pulled her back in. Yeah, And like I, that, that session was so much fun.
1: And we still remember it.
0: And you still do.
1: That still reflects upon how we like to play D D today. Yes. That's, I think where it comes in with the balance yeah. of this is a lot to work with mechanically. And as a DM, however, the story it presents is such a powerful one and, and has such potential yes. to be, alter how your games will go from here on that it's worth it. It is. And
0: that's why, that's what I'm saying. Like there is, that's why I get to this. Like there is a great campaign hidden in this book. Yeah. And there is such a good opportunity to have these heroic characters and give them the means to be heroic and Epic, but the way that it is presented as rules as written I don't think allows for that. Like I, I, I gave you guys a lot of stuff in order to make you feel epic instead of it. it, Well, it kind of gets back to like the, the pathfinder thing, like where if, uh, what was it like cover now is, um, they get a plus two to their AC. Whereas before like, or no, sorry, I can't remember what it was, but basically it was like the difference between giving the player a plus two to hit, or just taking two off of the AC. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more satisfying when a player gets to go, I got a plus two to this hit. Yeah. Then it was flanking. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then just the DM taking off two behind the screen. Because that's essentially what killing the dragon speakers and the mass things were to taking down Tiamat.
1: Yeah. It you, it you could say her down all fuck time, but when she comes out of the hell, the players don't really know that.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, you could describe it that she looks weaker, but how would they know that? I don't know. But like, basically, instead of just having numbers in the back that are smaller, giving your players bigger numbers to look at.
1: It feels a lot better. And
0: then also telling them that like, hey, you just took Tiamat down as written.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when you said that afterwards, we were all just like, jaw open. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Bruh.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, it, it was... I I really do love this campaign, but it's uh, uh, when we get back around to the review, like it's not one that I can recommend it just anyone. Mm-hmm. So I think that Which said, bringing us to <laughs> we need to we need to we need to rank this thing. Yeah. So currently our ranking goes Curse of Strahd, yep. Storm King's Thunder, yep. Tomb of Annihilation. Where are you putting this?
1: So I'm gonna put this just one above Tomb of Annihilation for me. Whoa! Simply because... Oh, this is now
0: an interesting episode because this is the first time we've differed.
1: I know. Simply because the story itself presents such opportunity to feel super epic and heroic mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is is that you're saving the world and I understand that in Tomb of Annihilation you are kind of also saving the world but it's yeah. only kind of like for half the people and... <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but then it's like, oh, the souls. It's like, but that doesn't really impact the characters entirely unless it's personal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. But then it's like this one, if you don't do it, the world's ending. And it's like, that's that's a one-stop s- just stop right mm-hmm. there. And it's like, okay, cool. Whereas like with Tomb of Annihilation, there's also two very sections to it. And it's like, and one is just a huge du- jungle crawl. And the other one's just this huge meat grinder of a dungeon. Where I would feel like *Tyranny of Dragons* kind of fits just one above that. I wouldn't, maybe even tied with it personally, but just Damn. barely above it.
0: Damn, you're making you're making some good points.
1: I wouldn't put it above at all *Storm King's Thunder* because I think *Storm King's Thunder* handles the traveling a ton better, and it handles the concept of yeah, the world is going down and you need to save it because it presents the reasons why all there. Yeah, and at the beginning too, and. Of course, *Curse of Strahd* is just—it's you know—it's our baby, and <laughs> it's it's our favorite. <laughs> but um honestly, I I probably I yeah I wouldn't. It, it's not nowhere even near how good *Curse of Strahd* was written, no. like straight up as it was, because *Curse of Cur- Strahd* is good as it is. Yeah. But I think it's above tomb for me personally.
0: Oh, see, you uh, you made some good points there. You really did, like. But at the same time, I'm looking at it, like, from the perspective of, of like, the information I'm presented with. Like, yeah. Like, I felt like I knew almost every NPC that I presented the players. Even if it was just a one-sentence description or two-sentence or something. Yeah. I felt like I knew who this in character tomb, was. Right? Yeah. Who yeah. this character was in Tomb more than a lot of the NPCs that I was given That's in Tourney of Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's yeah I I do like that there is more of a sense of epicness but if we're going as written that epicness doesn't come in until book 2 before that it's a Scooby-Doo chasing through doors thing
1: If we were building it off of these two books definitely the first book would be way at the bottom It would be full stop yeah. just the very bottom Yeah line. no yeah. that that's
0: true like like Horde the Dragon Queen would not even be like, that that would be the lowest on my list, I think.
1: Yeah. If we were doing the Rise of Tiamat, that would be above. That's fair. Yeah. I would say if we were doing just the two books separate, for me, Rise of Tiamat would be above. But yeah. the first one, Horde of the Dragon Queen, would be definitely below.
0: So, like, and because we're doing this as Tyranny of Dragons, because I don't want to, like, just clutter yeah. up the list and stuff like that. <laughs> For, for me, That's like
1: fair, though, I didn't think about that. Yeah,
0: for me, I, I got to put it at the bottom for like, as it is right now, there is one other campaign book that might <laughs> possibly go below it. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um But for me, it's got to be under Tomb. And so now we're at something where we haven't dealt with yet. Mm-hmm. You're above Tomb. I'm below it. So what about this? Because mm-hmm. we're, we're on uncharted ground. We haven't actually talked about what happens if we didn't agree <laughs> on something. Imagine that. I oh, know. Um, imagine tyranny of dragons. <laughs> uh, that was dumb. We should cut that out. Um, what if we put it up to the listeners to be the third chair? All right. To be that tiebreaker. So tell you what, uh, after listening to this, go check out our Twitter account, mm-hmm. at Difficulty Class. We're going to put up a poll, which is either above Tomb of Annihilation or below Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. Your votes will decide where it actually goes on our list.
1: And we would love to hear why and the. In oh, the yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Put in a comment, put in a, 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 a email at difficultyclassgmail.com. We'd love to hear this. Uh, also, even if you're not going to vote, we'd love to hear if you think we're just absolutely fucking wrong. If we are like, no,
1: no, this is at the top. Tell it, us it, why. If I said <laughs>
0: stuff in here that you're like, you didn't fucking read the book right, I probably didn't. I'll be fair. <laughs> I got dyslexia and shit in I might have just glazed over while listening to a podcast. Write in. Tell me what you think, what I fucked up on, what you agree with me on. I don't know. I don't know. Send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com. But before we end, we actually do have some listener
1: questions.
0: Yeah. Uh so Jonathan Ship has been has been sitting on this question for like three weeks, and I'm so sorry, Jonathan.
1: We really appreciate you sending it in. Yes. Uh he uh,
0: He's been listening for a while, likes the show. Thank you for liking the show, uh, and uh, and decided to write him because um, it is you know, he's looking to run tyranny of dragons. So, uh, one question I have uh, for you both regarding the campaign is what do you feel are the highlights and lowlights of the second book of the campaign rise of Tiamat specifically in contrast to your, uh, highlights and lowlights of horror, the dragon queen Am I um, uh, I'm in the midst of deciding if the group I lead as a DM would enjoy continuing the campaign based on the styles of play, uh, that are coming up. There are, uh, they're a pretty combat-loving crew, so I fear that portions uh, dedicated to trying to conduct war council and recruiting allies to their cause might just fall flat. Mm. Um. Lastly, uh, if it's of, uh, or oh yeah, uh, we'll talk to you about that that second part, Jonathan. Another yeah. point, but for this, if they are a combat-loving group, I do think there's room in Tyranny of Dragons for it.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely would probably take, not,
0: uh, rise to TMI. Yeah, I, mean. I
1: would. I probably definitely take the the course of action that Trevor took actually, and have almost like a a go to person. Yes, and as opposed to them acting to the to the whole council themselves. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, listen, this is what we just did. What do you think we should do next?
0: I mean, you, like, what does the council think of this? If uh, if your group is focused specifically on combat, you can be like, hey. Just be honest with it. Talk to the table and be like, hey, do you want me to just railroad these parts and tell you, like, have them be like, all right, we've decided on this, or let them have their input if they want. Or would you want to be part of that? Or would you want to be part of that? Or they can just tell you where you need to go next. Because, because there is plenty of dungeon yeah. crawling in in uh, Tyranny of Dra or Rise of Tiamat part. Yeah. Um. Not I, I, I don't think there is as much as Horde of the Dragon Queen, but there is enough that I think your players would have fun with it. And mm-hmm. really, the last fight we'll let them you know kick some ass and feel awesome
1: oh yeah um but definitely with as far as the council goes talk to them ask them straight up before you go into it be like guys just to let you know this is actually kind of some politics play into this part of the campaign would you guys be interested in being part of that or would you rather just say no and you'll be surprised sometimes a like fighting heavy group will be like no we want to put our opinion in there And that itself can lend to some really cool sessions because all of a sudden these people that like, oh, I'm going to smash hard and that's it will be like, no, I have opinions about this. And then all of a sudden these like NPCs will have to react to those. (laughs) And so that can be a lot of fun for your players.
0: I I agree with that. And and as far as the question goes about like, what are your highlights and your lowlights? Like I cut out most of the lowlights for me for the second book. Um, But really like the highlights for me was you guys talking to the chromatic or the metallic dragon council. Yeah. And like probably the lowest light of it was uh, when you guys did a dungeon crawl, like in the Arctic, because it was like, (laughs) okay, yep. Into the next room. And there's more stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like take a look at the, at the villain motivations Mm -hmm. and see what you want to keep in there and be key to the story. Yeah. Because, if the book says, oh, this already happens off screen, it's like, do you want it to be off screen? Yeah. Because if you do, keep playing the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you don't want it to be off screen, like consider taking that moment of the villain motivations and their plan and their plot into the actual dungeon or what have you itself. Um, But it's it's that's just one way, I guess, to make a low light into a highlight. Mm-hmm. But um, take a look into the book before you play into it, because there are some... This is one of those books where you should probably read through and figure out, does this guy ever come back? Is this actually important? Because a lot of the times, funny enough, in this book, the answer is no.
0: Yeah. Um, But if they already played through Horde of the Dragon Queen, like, I definitely think you should continue it in some way or another just so it doesn't get left off.
1: Because right now, if if you did play it as written, I don't think they know that Tiamat is the whole problem right now.
0: That's true. If they don't know that Tiamat is the problem, yeah, you could just move on. Yeah. And do something um, else.
1: But if they had learned at some point that Tiamat is the problem, definitely have them keep going.
0: I will say this. Um, if you've only done Horde of the Dragon Queen, you might want to check out Descent into Avernus and yeah. read a little bit of something. there might be a way that you can connect the two from where you are.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, Avernus... Also, in its own right, is a little like role playing, but well,
0: not just that, but there there's some heavy connections to this. Yeah, book. I don't want to give spoilers, but there's some heavy connections there.
1: But like in the end, the is really fun to play for a fighting heavy group. Yeah, so it's like that would be a good transition piece.
0: Um. So we got another listener question. I'm not going to read their email out because they didn't actually like (laughs) say what their name was. So we're going to use an old Greg Miller joke of hip hop anonymous. (laughs) Uh, So hip hop anonymous writes, uh, hello, love your old work. Thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. Hip hop anonymous. (laughs) Uh, I actually plan on running this book, uh, for my wife. So here's my question. How would you, uh, if you were to do it, uh, run this book for one person. Mm. Thank you for your time. Best of luck on your future work. Thank you. Um, this So, originally, before you, Eric, and, uh, and Morgan came, mm-hmm. I was only going to run this for Tara and Kyle.
1: Oh, okay. So, there's only yeah.
0: one more person than his wife. Yeah. And what I was going to do was I was just going to have an NPC travel with them that I controlled. They had a cleric and a paladin. <laughs> so, I'm like, uh, oh, no, they had a warlock and a paladin. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, I'll be a hitter.
1: And <laughs> I'll, so, be the, I'll be the front man. And
0: so, I had a guy who would... Didn't talk very much um, and was just kind of reserved, but like a really strong dude Mm -hmm. and he was just going to be there to punch things. But the cool thing that you have uh, the ability for now, Mr. Hip Hop Anonymous, Mrs. I don't know, I don't know, uh, (laughs) is you could do sidekicks.
1: Yeah. The Essentials Kit did come out with a wonderful, uh, brand new concept of sidekicks and companions, essentially, to where they're full on characters that don't have a character sheet, they have their own stat block and they level up with the characters. Yeah, and the character, the the, your PCs, like your your wife, would actually feel like she had an impact on this person coming along with them, yeah, as opposed to like uh, an NPC that you throw in to follow along granted you could make this npc to follow along because i've done that before too not necessarily with two or dragons but with my boyfriend where it's like oh it's just a one-on-one campaign i straight up made a whole nother character and like yeah she's tagging along with you because you guys were friends a while ago Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah you're doing this and so it's like definitely one-on-one i wouldn't recommend unless she's like going like i don't know like super covert, like spy, and then you could well, kind of adjust the, the I, I, campaign I, a bit. I do, but
0: I do think that you could do this just with one other person. If yeah, you, I would say two sidekicks.
1: Yeah, that would probably be a little bit better.
0: Um, and on your side of the screen, toning down some encounters.
1: The easiest way is to take away the number of people. Yes. Like if there's like four goblins and one person, maybe make it just three goblins.
0: The (laughs) the other option that you could do is uh, have uh, one sidekick, but level them higher than what they should be at the time. Yeah. Like I'd almost say start off at level three. Yeah. um, And then just keep that pace
1: be generous with the leveling. Don't yeah. follow the book itself and what it suggests. Yeah. Um, that'll I, I, I that'll think, balance out.
0: I think with a, little, with a little elbow grease, you could totally do this.
1: You could make it a level 20 campaign. Ooh, what? Yeah. One person <laughs> fighting Tiamat in the end. <laughs> level 20. You've
0: fucking one punch man over here. <laughs> Just going up against the dragon. No, queen. but
1: seriously, that would be so much fun. Not just like one <laughs> single person, but one person with like a couple other no, friends.
0: No, fuck that. Do one per do the freaking one punch man of campaigns. Just have your wife level 20 fighting the wasn't, love. Yeah. No. She won't start at level 20, but <laughs> No, but that's what I'm saying. You should totally do that. It'd be awesome. So it's like definitely. You don't even need to roll initiative. <laughs> Did you hit? Everything's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: you know, in seriousness, yeah, I would say balance the leveling out so that way she she's leveling up a lot faster than your enemies technically are. Because those CR encounters, CR is...
0: Dusty's here. <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: Dusty. Those CR encounters, CR one means four level one characters can make it. So just take that into consideration when you're playing with one person mm-hmm. because uh, you're you're essentially trying to adjust the game from four people to one. Yeah. So leveling your own players up, one, makes them feel epic. Because if they can take down bad guys, it makes them feel fun. Like, it's just a fun setting. But um, as opposed to making the bad guys just seem less, it makes them feel like as if they're not doing as much of an impact on the concept of the story. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Whereas if they're just powerful enough to be able to handle all the shit that you're throwing at them, then it makes them feel cooler.
0: Yeah. But still level one level 20 against all the book would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny but definitely
1: I think it would be fun too to just have a level 20 character at the final showdown. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, As opposed to like a level 14 or 15. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. It's not that far of a difference. It is. It is. But, you know, for one character it could mean a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: Also, I'm going to mention here real quick because it just sounds like I left him out in the doorstep. Dusty's in the house now. Yes. <laughs> 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 we we didn't just leave them on the doorstep, um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I hope uh, that answered uh, your guys's questions. Mm-hmm. Hope that helps you out. If you have your own questions, you can send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we might talk about them in a future episode. Maybe we will revisit some reviews at some point. Yeah, and you can send in your own thoughts and whatnot after hearing what uh what our opinions were.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, that's gonna be our show for this week, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, one one more question. Oh though. oh. So what because we talked about this with the other game with the other books. What level of DM do you think you should be oh. for running this oh, campaign? Oh, Damn. Like what do you suggest? Like both of us obviously I don't think a new DM should run for this.
0: So so I, I think we'll go with like the the we'll go beginner, intermediate And veteran and veteran. Yeah. I would say intermediate.
1: That's fair, because the plot isn't so sandboxy that yeah. you can easily follow it, and it's not so heavily reliant. But at the same time, if you're reading it straight out the gate and you're expecting it to be fine exactly as written, then it's not going to be that way. Yeah,
0: it... it. it, it going from the first book to the second book is like a hard left turn yeah. <laughs> so like I do think that you need to have some DMing experience under your belt to like really handle that one
1: kind of similar to Tomb yeah. where it was like that that second half just comes out of yes. left
0: field and yeah. so and, and also like having the knowledge uh, and the, the being comfortable enough with cutting stuff out changing stuff doing mm-hmm. stuff like that I think you need to have some experience under your belt in order to have a fun time with this but I'm not saying that a new person couldn't have fun it's just who I'd recommend it for yeah um, but that is gonna be our show for this week that was mm-hmm. good that was a good one at the end there uh, if uh, you have any uh, questions topic suggestions or stories that you want to share uh, with the show you can send those into difficulty at gmail.com and we might talk about them on a future episode if you'd like to stay up to date with us you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass or on Instagram at difficultypodcast. Uh, and, uh, oh, God, what I, I screwed this up. I don't remember what else I say there. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to support us. Oh, yeah. The best way <laughs> to support us besides listening, which we very much appreciate, yes. uh, is to leave a review on the podcast service of your choice that you might be listening to right now uh, and also telling some friends and letting them know that, hey, I have a D&D podcast that I like listening to. Maybe <laughs> you would like listen to it as well. Uh, and, you know, grow the community. We'll talk to more people. Have some fun. Yeah. But uh, until next week, uh, and I feel like we've done this one before, but I'm doing it again. Don't get killed by a literal five-headed dragon.